This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Fern Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Tonight, I'm going to wrap up my mini-series here on how to utilize the best of your property via rezoning, CUP, or variance. And uh, these are all ways to utilize the property really in opposition to with opposition from a city code provision or a city staff as an alternative to fighting them on grandfathering. And sometimes you don't have good grandfathering, so you got to come back for one of these re- one of these three methods. So I've touched on it a little bit in the other episodes, so I'll try to be brief on this, but I want to just talk about the process and, and kind of the review standard if you, if you end up having to fight the city through like a lawsuit or something down the road. And I got a couple stories that have happened recently with clients where uh, some some people didn't make right decisions. You know, that were our predecessors in interest, and it's it's really harmed us um, in our arguments at this point. Typically, you want to talk to staff, city staff, and you know they'll give a recommendation, and they'll, they'll tell you where the process is. And, you know, typically you got to go, you know, meet with staff. They have something called a review meeting or a development committee meeting or a pre-application meeting. And they tell you all the do's and don'ts and problems. And you want to make sure you read the code and make sure that by applying for something like a rezoning, you're not waiving any grandfathered rights if you potentially do still have them. But typically you go to staff, and then depending on the process, the staff may you know, forward you on to a plan commission. Typically a rezoning or a CUP are going to go to a plan commission, then ultimately the city council. A variance request typically would go to a board of zoning adjustment or Board of Zoning Appeals. Um, some cities, they change that. Um, that's that's going to depend on local local law, but typically the BZA is supposed to be like an alternative route from the from the politicized route of the city council. Um, and the Planning Commission, again, is a city, is a volunteer group of citizens within the community. They just make recommendations to city council. They don't have a ton of power. And... Now they can paper the record with look the, this variance, uh, excuse me, this variance, this rezoning should not be allowed for these reasons. Well, if the politicos end up approving it, you, know, you might be spot zoning, you might be subject to some later challenge. Um, ultimately, the city council typically makes the decisions on CUPs and, and rezones, and typically the BZA does on variances. It's it's not quite that simple, but it's it's pretty close. And again, on variances, there's a use variance and there's an area variance. And use variances are pretty rare. Uh, so next, if you, if you end up not liking the decision, what's your path? They call it legislative versus administrative review. And typically, you know, anything that's legislative is comes from the from, comes from city council, um, and and that's generally more like across the board rules. So for example, if I go to the city of Kansas City and say. I would like there to be uh, 10-foot setbacks instead of 25-foot setbacks for the perimeter of all mobile home parks in the city. I can do what's called a textual amendment to the the zoning code, which is often called the Uniform Development Code, Unified Development Code, the Muni Code, the Code of Ordinances, uh, Zoning Code, Planning and Zoning Code, but it's just the code, right? 
Yeah, I changed the text. Well, that's across the board. If I change the text, then all mobile home parks in Kansas City can get the benefit of this text. And then typically, if I rezone, then it would, that, all the people in that area would get, or in that classification, would get benefit on the zoning map. So that's probably not going to happen a lot um, where you're doing that. If you did, the legislature makes that decision. So it's clearly a legislative decision. But if it's something on a singular property, like a variance, sometimes a CUP, there's a variance like, look, Ferg's property deserves a different setback for X, Y, and Z reason. I got a problem. It wasn't my fault. I didn't cause it. But it's just impacting me. Well, that's pretty much, you know, a one-off decision. And if I ask for a variance, it's generally done by the BZA. But if I, I could ask, I could frankly do a textual amendment to the zoning code that happens to only impact me. So in Missouri, there's something called tax increment financing. Basically, it's a subsidy for real estate development projects. And it could apply in theory to every parcel in the state. And there's a, there's a voluminous uh, stipulations I'm not going to cover here. But there's one old famous hotel called the Elms in Excelsior Springs. And like Al Capone and his mob buddies used to like rent the whole place and throw these big parties. So it's, it's pretty historical for you know Kansas City mob. So, and it's also just this big, beautiful uh, estate, and it's a huge hotel, and it's really cool. I've been to some, I've been there a couple times, and you know, sprawling pools and flowers and stuff. It's really cool. So, the city—it's also an economic engine. So, the city convinced the state legislature to do what's basically called a state tiff, or and it's like I think it's a super tiff, where the state gives up its sales tax too. They made a but they couldn't make a one-off exception to private to, to benefit one business. So what they did was they said, we're just going to make a statutory change to allow all uh, historical hotels that are at least 300 rooms in a town of between 26,000 and 27,000. And with a historical uh, designation and a building that is older than 100 years. All projects that fit those criteria are eligible for the benefit of Super TIFF. So clearly, by that text amendment, they're picking on and benefiting one property. But in theory, there's a second or third hotel just like the Elms. So I tell you that story to say on the zoning, if you're asking for a rezone or a textual amendment just on your property, it could go either way, whether that was determined that whether that should be administrative or whether it should be legislative. And this is for the this is for the review. Um, you know, because basically, basically, if you got a one-off decision, it's just my property, and if I don't, and if I don't like the result, for example, if the BZA says no, okay, well, it's just that feels like they're picking on me. Well, I should have some rights, and these are rights like a regular, uh, almost like a regular trial. And I get things like I get a hearing, I get a notice of hearing, I can present evidence. If the city presents evidence, I can rebut it or cross-examine them. I'm going to be allowed, you know, legal counsel. And ultimately, when it's done, I'm, I deserve a written decision, you know, up, down, and, and with some with some analysis of the evidence that was presented. That's, that feels fair, right? And and then I can go and I can appeal that. And typically, in a BZA, for variance, if you, if you don't like what you like it, what the BZA did, you can appeal, but you, you appeal straight to the circuit court. You don't appeal to the city council because this, this is a process outside the city council. And the circuit court reviews these things either de novo, which basically means like 
it didn't happen, like a fresh start. It means like new on the record or a new or something in Latin. Um, but on a on something that's a BZA, they're typically going to review it on the record. What that means is they're not going to let you bring in new evidence, and they're not going to take their own do their own research. They're going to say, let's look at the record. So recently, I was working on a, a case in Indiana, and the previous owner actually appealed to the BZA, but they didn't do a good job at all presenting evidence from the BZA. They didn't even show up, the owner. They had they sent their park manager, and then boom, the city showed up, the whole mob of protesters showed up, the city was ready, city's planning staff, and they just hammered this park manager. So the park manager didn't do a very good job. Well, then, the, it should have been a winning case, frankly. Well, the owner then appealed to the circuit court. Well, the circuit court did not review De Novo. De Novo. They reviewed the record. Well, the record was crappy because they had crappy evidence. They had a park manager there, no lawyer, no owner, no coaching, no prep. And based on that record, the case was dismissed at circuit court, and they were 0-2. And they lost what I thought was grandfather rights, um, and they, they lost their appeal, and it was pretty brutal. So De Novo is new. So typically, when it, if it's a legislative-based decision and you don't like it, you can appeal to circuit court. Circuit court says, eh, what city council? We don't care. And they look at it from a fresh start. And and they do that to some degree to you know get rid of the politics, I think. But ultimately, they say, we're the circuit court. We don't care about city council. Now, it's hard to win those. Typically, these, the burden of proof is still on the applicant, the plaintiff, the, you know, us, the property owner. Continuing on with de novo review, again, means new. The the court may consider new evidence. So not only do they not really care what the city council considered, they're going to do their own research and they do their own job, frankly. And during this review, the court will basically see if the proceedings with the city council violate any constitutional protections. And this can really happen in one of two ways, you know, fa- facially, which essentially means that the ordinance on its face is unconstitutional. And, you know, for example, if the ordinance says, we don't think you can ever utilize your property for agricultural land, even though you can't, you can't plant flowers. You can't do all these different things. It makes no sense. Like, there's no rational basis to just, like, not let you plant flowers on your big property. Um, that's just on its face is unconstitutional. It's an unrealistic restriction. Uh, the more common one would probably be unconstitutional as applied, which basically means as it applies to me, the, the pissed off you know applicant and plaintiff, the decision um, is unconstitutional. Now the burden of proof would be on me, the applicant, and I have to present you know clear and convincing evidence, which is you know 51 percent plus. It's not 100 percent or 99.99 like you know beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, it's got to be pretty strong, and I need to show that I've suffered, you know, some sort of pain, and and, and they, I have to overcome this the rational basis that this government did this for the protection of the public welfare, the health, safety, morals, and welfare of the community. So it can be tough. So that's why you lose on things like fire code because it's like it's very reasonable to, to have homes spaced further apart than is likely to cause them to burn one after the other. So again, unlike, but again, unlike the de novo review and the legislature, the administrative appeals, like on the B, on the BZA, those are really created on the record. So if you do go to the BZA, you really, you really got to make sure you do a good job with your evidence in, in that hearing, and you know, 
it's, you pretty much have to have an abusive BZA to overturn those. I think it's called like arbitrary, capricious, and abusive. Which basically is like the, the rule. The ruling was just crazy stupid. And if, if there's support of that, then you might be able to win. But if there's not support, um, meaning that the BZA has any real evidence supporting their input, well, then it wasn't a crazy stupid decision. It was just like, yeah, maybe it was, it was their opinion and they're entitled to it. So it's really hard to win um, on against the BZA appeal. They gotta be. They gotta be almost criminal. Like they. they, they like basically, they. You. You got. Got them on tape saying something like, "Yeah, I don't like those stupid trailer parks. For I don't care what the request is. I'm gonna turn it down." Like, okay, that's an abuse of power. That's a certain bias. Now, the downside of this is, you don't get to just choose where you want to go, the administrative review or the legislative review route. Um, the process you went through kind of drives that for you and the process you go through is, is based on whether again you're choosing these these three different methods of utilizing your property you're rezoning you're requesting a variance typically to the bza or you're requesting a cup which depending on the municipality could be a legislative city council move could be an administrative bza and then sometimes the bza their decision is final and like most time, frankly, that's how it is. It's like an alternative route to city council, but sometimes in some jurisdictions they've decided to give their BZA, either the state or the city has given the BZA limited powers, and they're just a recommending body. They're basically a plan commission, but for an alternative route, um, which kind of baffles me. But anyway, that's uh, a couple tactics and a couple just you know background stories of how to utilize your property in the in the face of an onerous zoning code in the face of an obstinate city and or, or possibly in the face of fact pattern that is not favorable where you need to go ask for special permission i typically fight and fight on the grandfather status because most of the parks i look at are legal non-conforming and you know it works better than you'd think um you know and i've got i've got a more long-winded analysis on that i should probably do an episode on that that probably would have been better than this to be honest uh, but I'm going to reevaluate how much of that I feel like put my neck out there so these cities hate me and I get a speeding ticket or something. But anyway, zoning stuff, uh, honestly, not the most fun, but it's super important. So uh, I try to keep abreast of it, you know, at least at a reasonable level and encourage you to do the same. Hope this helped. Until next time, have fun, sleep well, God bless. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.